0: From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Raj Nation and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast growing startups work with me because they wanna become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Columbia, Maryland and currently residing in Durham, North Carolina. Please welcome the Director of Collegiate Sales at Teamworks. He is Larry Long
1: Jr. Oh my goodness, Grace. You made me pull out the gold mic with that intro. You're making a brother blush.
0: I can't, I know you're the you're the startup hype man, but good googly muggly. <laughs> I feel like literally in the moment I was thinking, I was like, oh man, you're in North Carolina. I should have given you like the classic Bulls, Michael Jordan entry like from North Carolina. <laughs>
1: That was, well, that was awesome. man! I didn't pay you enough. Please send me the invoice for that <laughs> intro. That was off the chain. <laughs>
0: I'll, give you, I'll give you the second best thing. We'll give you the uh, the audio snippet of your introduction. You can take it with you wherever you go. Love, <laughs> love. All right. So our topic today with Larry is empowering your team to perform their best. Larry's huge on the motivational speaking scene. He's a great leader at his company and just and talking to teams in general. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Larry. Empowering your team to perform their best. Let us know, why is this on your mind? Why is this important to you?
1: Just given everything that's going on right now in the the current environment, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of turbulence. And uh, even before that, it's so important. And and so many times, organizations and individuals miss that uh, superpower and really the power of people – empowering your people, leading your people, uh, really setting them up for success. So it's on my mind all the time. I'm, I'm a former uh, baseball coach. I used to own a baseball academy. So I've seen the, the, the power of inspiring someone and in it coming from within and just the heights that can be seen. So for any organization out there, if you're taking care of your people, you're empowering your people you should see phenomenal results. And I can tell you, as we move into the new year, there's going to be some people that don't feel empowered that are going to be free agents and looking to move to places that uh, will empower them, will trust them, will care for them. So that's why it's on my
0: mind. Hey, speaking of that, I always thought it'd be kind of funny and cool if like, what if the business world had like, like, I don't know, like people were on contracts and then you just became like a free agent, you know, every like three years or something like that. like. What if there was like, oh, my God, like Larry's contract expires at the end of 2020. He's going to be a free agent. All these all these sales organizations are looking to get Larry on their team.
1: It's crazy. I've actually been a part of an organization that held a draft. I wow. thought I was playing fantasy fantasy uh, lead generation. <laughs> okay, you're up next. You're on the clock.
0: That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So let's talk about baseball for a second. I know you used to be a coach, used to run an academy. You also used to play as well at the second highest level there is right college ball uh I guess maybe minor league would be the second highest but that's basically major that's basically professional ball and you got you got your nice pink wooden bat here on the the screen as well so all right let's talk baseball for a second I'm a huge baseball fan and I used to I probably used to be a bigger baseball fan growing up than I am now meaning like knowing stats and everything now I just I'm able to watch it and enjoy it and not obsess (laughs) over all the stats but uh what position did you play and what was the college baseball experience like?
1: Yeah, so I was an expert at playing the position of left out. Hey, coach, <laughs> can I get in? Nah, you're left out, dog. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So freshman year at University of Maryland, go Terps, uh, played left field. And it's funny, I got a quick story for you. Uh, coming out of the fall, I was number three on the depth chart. And when you play outfield, there's three outfield positions. So I'm not a math major. I'm terrible at math. But I said, oh, I should be in the starting lineup. Season rolls around in the spring, and I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm kind of uh, feeling sorry for myself. And I get in at the end of games, defensive replacement, 0 for 1, just striking out a lot. I started off my career 1 for my first 24. Called home to my dad. He came down, watched my games, UNC Greensboro. Said, Dad, I don't belong in Division One. Definitely don't belong in the ACC. My dad ran track at Maryland. So he reached through that phone and he said, boy, you got my name. You're Larry Long Jr. We don't roll like that. That's the wrong attitude. And he threw in some choice words where I I understood exactly what he was saying. He said, you better get back to the drawing board. So I started getting on the tee. And he said, you better get your mind right. If you don't have your mind right, if you don't believe that you can, you won't. Well, lo and behold, University of North Carolina came to town. I was one for 24, boom, got in two for three on Friday as a defensive replacement. Started Saturday, three for four. Started Sunday, two for four. That was all she wrote. I started the rest of the year, at 319 in the ACC. That ninth, I saw nothing but fastballs. And I can hit a fastball, anything with a little wrinkle in it. I'm in trouble. But I can tell you that the experience at Maryland, it taught me so much about just teamwork, the importance of teamwork, Uh, internal belief. I mean, it's one of those things Henry Ford says it best. Uh, Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. And when you're in (laughs) that batter's box, if you have any level of doubt, uh uh-oh, you're in trouble. You better have that internal belief in your heart, in your mind, if you want to perform at your best. So uh, just a lot of lot of lessons, great experience. And I mean, those are friendships that'll last a lifetime and memories that uh, will last a lifetime. I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: I also want to know about maybe what you learned about uh, priorities and being able to schedule things because I ran track for a year at DePaul University, which is you know, it's Big East. And I wasn't very good, but I, I did manage to be on the team. And I'll tell you this, it was like two sides to a coin. On the one side of it was because you're so regimented, like lifting at 5 a.m. and then practice at 2 p.m. and you gotta like get your study hall hours, like they track your study hall hours, right? You have to like get those in. Like, I was really diligent with like being on time at places and being where I needed to be and and, like my grades were actually pretty good like while I was on that schedule because you didn't really have time to slack off. The other side of the coin though, And the reason why ultimately I quit my sophomore year was because, well, I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. And when you're not enjoying a sport like running, your body just gives up on you. Like your body just won't cooperate. But the other part of it really was that the 5 a.m. lifting, I was falling asleep in my 7 a.m. class, my 7.30 a.m. class. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to be a pro in this. And I don't like it that much anymore. I should probably prioritize like school at this point. So I'm curious, like, how did you find that ability to like prioritize and, and really like just balance athletic life and school life?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, uh, I have to owe it all to Franklin Covey. I, I still have my planner right here that my parents invested in and shared with me uh, as I started college. And every year I used to have to buy the inserts in there, uh, <laughs> 1997, new insert, 1998, <laughs> And you're absolutely right in terms of that regimentation of schedule. Uh, for me, it was, uh, it was a blessing because it was no mystery in terms of what I needed to be doing and when. And uh, I don't know, as, as a young buck, that was what I needed. And I can tell you that that's taught me a lesson that if you just do the little things. Our coach used to say, if you're uh, five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, You're forgotten. If you're late, you you don't exist. It's kind of like Kevin O'Leary from The Shark. You're dead to me. So I mean, it's really those little things on the margin that means so much. And having that structure of schedule, it uh, it allows you because it's a second job. You talked about falling asleep. I I've been there before. The first time I had coffee, it's the first and the last time I had coffee. We came back from spring break trip to Florida State. Good old Tallahassee. That's a long drive back. And I had a presentation I had to give and my parents dropped by campus. They used to work in DC, would drive right by campus. And my mom said, hey, drink this coffee. She loaded it with uh, sugar and cream. It still tasted disgusting. I do not, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink beer. I'm a Kool-Aid kid with a Kool-Aid smile. But I can tell you that it worked. that thing had me buzzing all day long. I said, whoa, this thing, I might explode. (laughs) (laughs) But you made a great point in terms of having that regimented schedule it keeps you on track and at
0: least gives you the
1: best chance to have success.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about Teamworks and your role there, right? So you are the director of collegiate sales. How did you get into the, like, it's, it's amazing, right? You used to play a sport. Now you work at a company that is in the world of sports. So how did you get involved at in Teamworks? And I guess, how would you describe your position as the director of collegiate sales there?
1: Yeah, so I've been blessed. I mean, I've been in software and tech sales for some time. Used to work at Accenture doing IT consulting, owned my baseball academy, and then I've been in tech sales, either carrying a bag, making 150 cold calls to CPAs, or leading teams. Uh, It's funny because 2018, I spoke at Teamwork Sales Kickoff and uh got a chance to meet the team uh, i know and that was as an external
0: team. person right you were just like brought in as yeah, like they, an ex- they brought me speaker. in they yeah. said hey
1: uh, i know the vp he and i played uh baseball summer ball wood bat league in 1999 wow. uh, somewhere in 1999 we've been in touch and we've worked together before and brought me in and it's funny i started in june so i spoke to the team in january and i'm a part of the team in june and it really everything aligned i'm a big lover of sports love sports I love technology. I'm a tech geek, love innovation, and just what they were doing, it really aligned, and there was an opportunity for me to come in and lead a team, which is, I mean, that's the trifecta right there. Sports, check. Technology, check. Lead a team of former athletes, and we're selling into the athletic space? Come on, Cletus. What you talking about, Willis? Just, it was was perfect. So my role in collegiate sales is to really set the uh, strategy as well as make sure that we're executing on running the plays and uh, I know some people are like ah oh, quit with the sports analogies I can't and that's one of the reasons why I love teamworks is I can use all the sports analogies in the world and, and no never gets old the plays yeah. over no one's going to be like ah oh, what you you're talking about Willis it's going to be like yeah that's what I'm talking about let's get it so i mean it's
0: it's an awesome place to be so then our topic is empowering your team to perform their best Is being a motivator something you've always done or I don't know, did you kind of like fall into it just by habit? Yeah, I
1: I look back to my younger years and I really, I got to say, I I get it from my papa, get it from my dad. And uh, my dad grew up in Baltimore City, uh, track, he was a long jumper, triple jumper. He was a little dude. Track was his way out of the city, out of the projects. Mm. And uh, he was just the optimum optimist. Uh, glass 100% full, not not half full, not half empty. That thing is full. We're drinking. So I've had that my whole life, just the, the coaching spirit, the positive spirit that I get from my dad and my mom. But uh, really, my dad was just, hey, you have a choice. You can either choose to look for the negative, which there's tons of negative all around us, or you can choose to look for the positive and make the most out of each and every experience. So It's one of those things where I've always kind of had it in me, but given the opportunities, and I've been blessed with just great opportunities to flex that muscle, I guess you could say, uh, of leadership and empowering and motivating
0: and inspiring people. Well, I think it's obvious that 0% of that optimism is rubbed off onto you. (laughs) Now, let's talk more about this concept of empowerment. How do you define it? Uh, particularly in a business sense and relative to team members? How do you define empowerment?
1: Yeah, I, I look at empowerment as really creating an environment, fostering an environment intentionally, not just kind of by accident, but pretty much creating an environment where your folks feel Power. I mean, that's part of the word empowerment. I don't know what Webster has to say. I didn't look up the dictionary definition, but I know what Larry Long Jr. has to say. You foster that environment where your folks believe and they feel that they can make the right choices for the business, for your clients, for your other employees, and it just—it really starts from the top. From the top, having that trust, having that. Really, the four-letter word of the day is care. Do you care about your employees and not do you say you care? Everyone says they care. Oh, of course I care. But your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. And speaking of hearing, do you listen to your employees? I mean, it's such a simple concept. Your employees are out there busting their butts. Hopefully, if you create that environment, you've got to listen to them. It's just like sales. In sales, you better listen to your client in business, you better listen to your organization or you're going to be flying blind and you're probably going to run up against a bunch of brick walls. So empowerment of your employees, of your staff,
0: that's where it's at. Let's dig into that listening and hearing a little bit more. Now, I think it's easy to say, yeah, listen to your employees. And people can be like, yeah, yeah, I know. We're supposed to listen to our employees. And then, like you said, they don't. So well, I'll ask two questions here. One, why do you think listening to employees is such a tough thing to execute on? And then the second half of the question is, what are some ways that leaders can be better listeners and be better at understanding their employees' needs and wants and desires and, and struggles? Yeah, so to, no, part
1: one, uh, sometimes it's ego, uh, being the smartest person in the room. Oh, I got this figured out. Uh, other times it's tough to execute on listening. It's easy, easy, easier said than done. Uh, yeah. If I truly listen to you, I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to be engaged. That means eye contact. That means that I'm all in. I'm not, I'm not on my device on the side, halfway listening. We know how that goes. That doesn't make anyone feel special. And and there's a saying, don't, uh, I don't care how much, you know, until I know how much you care. I'm going back to that word of care, Uh, but it's tough. It's tough to execute on that. Uh, And the best organizations ask the right questions, they listen, they report back, and then they make changes in actions. If I listen to you and I shake my head, yes, I hear what you're saying, and then we keep doing what we're doing and I don't acknowledge what you shared with me, chances are you're not gonna share with me again. That trust isn't going to be there. Uh, Hit me with the second part of the question again,
0: the second part was what are ways that people like that leaders can actually like be better listeners and, and hear the needs.
1: Yeah, and that's uh I don't want to overcomplicate it and I don't want to oversimplify it, but essentially it's asking the right questions and then shutting the heck up, giving the microphone to the employee and actively listening. That's actually a skill that can be improved upon, making sure there's no distractions, meaning put away this phone, (laughs) which is a, a huge distraction. Show up on time. We talked about showing up on time to let people know that you actually care about them and then reporting back, documenting. So I wanna make sure that I heard that this is what you said. Is that correct? Okay. We're not gonna do number two, three, and four, but number one and five, we're gonna give it a whirl. And I'm gonna actually empower you. I'm gonna let you run with it and then report back to me what happened. That right there is, is that collaboration. That right there is now empowering. You're now giving your folks the ability and the opportunity to take their thoughts and turn them into action. And really, whenever your employees feel empowered to make decisions uh, on their own, It's like they have that ownership. I I call it that entrepreneurial spirit. And I look for employees that have that entrepreneurial spirit. Even though you might not own the business, you might get the paycheck. If you don't take ownership of it, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. I need people that feel empowered as owners and they do what's in the best interest of our customers in the best interest of the business. And they make the best decision that they can without fear of, uh Oh, I, I don't want to mess up or Oh, I better ask for a permit. No, give it your best shot. Give it your, try your best and forget the rest. That's what Tony Horton says in P90X. I did <laughs> P60X. I didn't quite make it 90. <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's, you know, one of the words you mentioned in that was like, was, was motivation, how to be able to motivate them appropriately. What's the relationship between motivation and empowerment?
1: Yeah, so ooh, we, we got we to dig into the dictionary here. I mean, that motivation, <laughs> from just my experience, it's got to come from within. It's got to come internal. What's your why? I talked to a gentleman, CEO, yesterday a company called Replays. He said that his why, why he does what he does, is for his kids. That's his motivation right there. For me, it's my family, but it's also my father's legacy. I take that seriously, that my father, he passed five years ago. Uh, He sacrificed so much for me. It's my responsibility. Uh, Other people's why is different. When you're talking about individuals and you're talking about uh, motivating them, you got to find out What's there? Why? I look back to my buddy, Cameron Pelletier, his motivation. He wanted to be a physical therapist. So he's cold calling. he's, he's one of my lead gen reps, but he wants to be a physical therapist. The only way that I knew that is because I asked the question, we worked out a business plan. What do you want to accomplish professionally? What's your timeline and what's the steps to get there? He had to take time away in order to get his hours in to get the PT school. I said, Hey, as long as you take care of business here, we can go ahead and take care of business there. So, I mean, it really, when you talk about motivation, when you talk about empowerment, I think they run in conjunction with each other because if you empower me, I'm gonna be motivated to run through a wall for you. If you don't, then I'm just checking in. I'm what I like to call a plugger. I'm just plugging in. It's like, I just clock in, I clock out. I don't really care. I get my paycheck and poof, be gone. When I really feel empowered, now I'm an owner. I take ownership. And you know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You get out of it, what you put into it. And essentially, if you're going to give it your all, you're going to give your best chance of success on the end. If I have employees that don't feel empowered, there's no way they're giving me their all. No way.
0: So then what do you think is, I'll tell you this. A lot of companies are like, we need our team to perform better. Okay, let's come up with some new performance bonuses. Uh we're going to adjust the commission structure. Oh, you know, if you close a deal this month, you'll get 2x what you usually get as your commission, right? Things like that. Essentially, it's a like let's throw more money at it to get our team to do better. And at face value that's not the right strategy necessarily, but I do think there is some room for like like financial reward, right? And there is extrinsic motivation. So, what do you see as like, like from the perspective of leadership in relation to its employees? What is that balance and, and how do you know when to pull the extrinsic motivation lever versus the intrinsic motivation lever? You said
1: it. It's that balance. And money is a motivator. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing green. <laughs> that definitely is a motivator, but it's not the only motivator. And if all you do is throw money, then eh, that's going to wear out. I've, I've been in jobs that paid well where I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't feel satisfied. I didn't feel part of a team. I didn't believe in our mission. That's not a good place to be. I had another conversation yesterday with a gentleman who said, I had to get out of my job. I didn't have anything lined up. It was about to kill me. And he meant physically kill him because of the stress. So when you talk about that intrinsic motivation, that comes down to me knowing my people. Do you want recognition? Uh, do you just want to know that I care? And I look back at some of the best leaders. I mean, I got to give a shout out to Mark Winchester, who's my, my mentor. Uh, he shows that he cares by writing postcards, handwritten postcards. Uh, he knew that I was going to the Great Wolf Lodge. He made a call ahead and said, hey, let me go ahead and buy a $50 gift card uh, for the Long family. That little detail, and $50 isn't little, but that little detail meant so much to me. When my father passed, he drove up to Maryland, took a day trip to be there at the, uh, at the viewing. You tell me I'm not going to run through a wall for this man who not just says he cares about me, but shows he cares about me. That's what I strive for. And that's what I encourage organizations to strive for because we're in the people business. Uh, you talk about uh, resources, you talk about money, and, and that's an investment. It's that money investment. Oh, we're going to bonus you. But I want to invest in my people more than the money. I want to invest invest in you at your heart, at your core. What are your goals? What do you hope to accomplish? What are you trying to do? As we go into the new year, do you want to pick up a a new hobby, learn how to play the guitar? Let me go ahead and put $100 towards guitar lessons for you. Oh, you want to learn another language? Parlez-vous français? Que pasa loco? Let me go ahead and invest in in one of these learning languages for you uh, to show you that I care more than just making it rain and throwing money at you which is good, but I wanna take it to that next level. So you're absolutely right, it is a balance. I'm on this scale, on this side of the scale, where it's really delivering something personalized, customized, meaningful to my people.
0: Well, and I think, you know, on that note, there's a certain, like money is a certain expectation, right? Like people expect to get paid what they're worth, whether that is through straight salary or salary plus performance bonuses but that's still an expectation. So you have to exceed the expectation. You have to exceed the standard to show your employees you really care about them. That's what I think you're kind of getting at here is like, yeah, there's the balance, but like beyond a certain point, more money doesn't necessarily, it's just like like more of the same doesn't generate, it, it ends up being diminishing returns, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: So true. I used to work at TGI Fridays, had all my flair. This was back in the day. <laughs> and, and as you can imagine, I love that job. Oh my goodness. But we talked about how do you create an A plus experience when someone goes out to dine, they eat out when we're allowed to eat out. Uh, yeah. You expect that you're going to have a, uh, the waiter comes, they fill up your water, they bring you your food, they smile. And that, that's good. But how do you make it great? What can you do to make it an A-plus experience? Well, if they have kids, you can just bring a balloon, a simple balloon, shows that you care, and a simple smile at at little Janie or or little Jimmy. It makes the world of a difference, and it turns that A experience, where it was good, to now an A-plus, where... People have this feeling like people don't, they very rarely will remember what you say. I mean, we had this conversation about round one, which I forgot what we said, but I certainly can tell you how you made me feel as a guest on your show. And there's a reason why I'm back because you made me feel good. I enjoy talking with you, man. You're, you're smiling. You're insightful. I mean, shoot, this is the American dream.
0: (laughs) Now, so I like that, like the A plus experience, which was, you know, what you learned at Fridays. And I think it, it, I want to call back to something you said earlier, which was, uh, I believe it was your manager. uh, When your dad passed, uh, your manager drove to your dad's services. And you you talked about how like, you know, not like you think I won't run through a wall for this person. I think what's important to like point out there is it's not like, had he not shown up, you would have been like, I cannot believe this person did not take time out of their day to show up for me here. Like, that's not really where people's minds go. You don't like have it in for them if they don't do it. But if they do take that extra step, it's something you never forget, right? And I mean, you said that was five years ago. I don't know if you even, I don't think you work with that person anymore, but you still remember that, that he was there.
1: I'll never forget. I didn't expect them. It was a surprise. I'm like, whoa, this is up in Maryland. You're in North Carolina. You you drove up to be here for me and my family. Come on, man. Who does that? I mean, that's the feeling that you want to be that person where folks are saying, Who does that? Whoa. (laughs) I mean, that (laughs) yeah, just creating that feeling. And we're we're in the people business. We're in the relationship building. I mean, uh, I had a sales coach tell me, hey, Larry, in my 30 years of selling, I learned. The difference between contacts, people that you know, and contracts, people you do any kind of business with is the letter R. And that R is relationships, true, genuine, authentic relationships. And he double clicked on it. He said, hey, it's not what you know. And a lot of people say, yeah, it's not what you know. It's who you know. He said, survey says, in my Steve Harvey family feud voice, it's not what you know. And it's not even who you know. It's who knows you and who trusts you and who believes in you that really makes things happen. So when you think about your relationships and the quality of those relationships and the work that it takes to invest, it's kind of like a, a, a plan. I don't, I don't have a green thumb, my wife does, but I'll, I'll let a plant die. But you gotta water it, you gotta give it Me sunlight. <laughs> Sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and, and put down the manure. I mean, it's it's stinky, but that's how it grows. So many times folks have relationships that are just stagnant. And then when you need something, it's like, knock, uh, knock, I need something. It's like, no, that's not how this thing works. You haven't made enough deposits to make a withdrawal. You better deposit something into this thing.
0: There's a really good book by Adam Grant called Give and Take, uh, where he talks about essentially like there's the three types of people. You have the people who are, givers all the time which is which can be an issue you have the people who take all the time which is clearly an issue but then you have those who are in the in-between who have this healthy balance of give and take and they tend to have the best relationships uh, personally and professionally so true. So true. And
1: I don't know if you're a Young Jeezy fan, but I think he has a song called I'm a Go-Getter. And I love working with go Getters. but I, I remember really that song. love working with Go-Givers. <laughs> go give it, young fella.
0: I, so in retrospect, I'm okay with Young Jeezy, but I remember at the time just absolutely hating Young Jeezy because I was like, this guy is not good. He's just a soundbite. But you know what? Years later, you know what's still fun to do is go, hey! <laughs> I love it.
1: Double-clicking on that, uh, there's a term. I call them me monsters. And when, mm. I, when I describe it, you you know exactly. You're like, yep, on my Trek team, there were a couple guys, a couple gals that were me monsters. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. No, in this world, you better be a you monster where it's about other folks. And I love what you talked about, give and take. Because it is a balance. If you're tilted too far this way, survey says, nah. If you're tilted too far this way, uh oh.
0: I actually, you know, I, and I had a teammate at one point in sports who was very much a me monster, and it's interesting how much energy the me monster absorbs in the sense of like, there's a certain like dismissal. I think your teammates get to where they're like, oh, that's so and so acting their way. But then also when I say the energy, it sucks up is the rest of us ended up spending a lot of our time talking about that person behind their back. And I'm not saying that was necessarily good on our part, but m- more so the point is like, we're wasting our energy complaining about this person and how they only care about themselves and like, oh, look at that classic thing they did again. And it, and I thought it was really funny. It was to the extent that, uh, you know, and that person like relative to my year was Uh, a couple grades ahead of us. And then we had this like, you know, this hot young freshman come onto the team who was good and kind of thought he was the shit. And what was really interesting was like, (laughs) we ended up actually like uniting with the original person. We didn't like in despisal of the, of the other person. It was like, you know, it was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Like that's kind of what happens, but you just, you really see how much, you know, it's not just that person's siloed actions that's, that only live during the time period of when they talk or, or do whatever action. It just it carries and stays with everyone on and on and on until it's resolved.
1: Yep, like a crab pot. And, and we're seeing this right now. Uh, I don't know if you follow the NBA. That's a, that's a,
0: that's a, that's a hell of a, like a Maryland East Coast reference there, like a crab pot. <laughs> <laughs> I saw people in Chicago have no idea what you're talking about when you say like a crab. Pod.
1: You better throw some Old base seasoning on it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're seeing it in Houston with the Rockets, with the whole James Harden situation in, impacting the team. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Russell Westbrook has let uh, let us know kind of his thoughts around what's going on over there. And one person impacting the entire organization and not on the positive side. So,
0: Right, right. Can you talk about, like, with this idea of being intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically, extrinsically motivated? Uh, from a leadership perspective, yes, we do need to empower our employees. We do need to motivate them. But how much of this falls on leadership doing things on behalf of employees versus the employee taking up agency for themselves to say, like, I care to contribute here. I do have a purpose here, and I want to grow in these ways.
1: To balance, so the leader, and it's funny that we're using the term leader and leadership because so many folks have the title, but they're not—they're not leading anything. No one's following them. No one is inspired. No one is uh, on the same page as them. But I, I believe it's the organization and leadership's job and responsibility to create an environment, to foster that environment. But it also is the balance. The employee has to take ownership. Uh, you can't just sit back and say, hey, you didn't give me. No, go get it. You you got to go out there and, and, and put forth some effort as well. It's not, we're not going to serve it up on a platter for you. And there's a lot of organizations that don't provide. They don't empower. And I encourage employees. And, and from my position, I look to hire folks that Uh, when given the right environment, they're going to thrive. And I know that our environment, it's like a sports team. When you think about baseball, it's a team sport made up of nine individuals out there on the field. And we need everyone doing their job at the same time. You better back up. You better know what play is going on. Uh, And if you're not on that same page, we can be friends, but you can't be on my team. So we set the expectations crystal clear of what we expect. From our employees, and we're going to provide the best that we can provide. We expect them to provide the best they can provide. And sometimes, I mean, we're we're a small business. We're a little over 100 employees. We don't have all the resources that a big big banger company might have, but that's okay because we're going to do. We're going to be scrappy, and we're going to get after that that behind, and we're going to make it happen. And I mean, one of our kind of mantras is uh, win. Uh, whatever is necessary. And I mean, it's kind of cliche, but we're in the sports industry. So yeah, we break it down. Win on three, one, two, three, win. And I mean, you get people fired up. It's, it's like, hey, we're ready, to, we're ready to go out there on the field and win this thing. And I don't know, in business, in sport, and, and someone in life, the score is kept. There's a scoreboard. Mm. And uh, it's not always the numbers. I mean, you can look at the dollars, but it's also how many lives have you impacted and had a positive impact on. So I know I got off on a tangent, but my belief is that it's both. It's, it's the balance of the organization, the leaders, and the employees to make sure that we're working together for the, the same goal. We, we know what the goal is, and we all have what we need. I mean, for our company, they do a weekly survey Uh, just to to check in. And the questions vary each week and they monitor it. And if there's a a red flag or a yellow flag, they address it, which is what you're supposed to do. If you just sweep it under the rug, then no one's going to give their true feedback. It's like, hey, you don't really care. You're just checking the box and going through the motions. Uh, Sweet Georgia Brown said it best. Ain't nobody got time for that.
0: (laughs) Uh, You mentioned that you're you're – Your motto is win. I'm curious is your is your theme song. Have you heard that J Rock song where it's like win, 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 fuck everything else, win, 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 win. (laughs) Is that is that your company? (laughs) I love that song. That's like that's such a banger to just play in the car while you're driving. (laughs) Get get it crunk. (laughs) Okay, so. My final question before we get to our wrap up, uh, one of the things I think you're really strong at from what I've seen in, in your content and in previous conversations we've had is figuring out how to like gamify someone's growth through like challenges and things like that. So can you just speak to like, how, how can we gamify like, a growth process with our team?
1: Yeah, well, it's documented. I mean, my team, each of my reps has a business plan and, and it's both a combination of professional as well as personal. And that's how we track progress. If, if you don't measure or know what success looks like, good luck. Uh, now, as far as gamification, I work with athletes. And uh, athletes are used to being coached hard, and they're used to either winning or losing. There's an outcome. Unless unless you play soccer, where there's a time. And I'm not a huge soccer fan. Don't tell my wife. She's from Argentina. So I got to play it like Messi. I got to play it like I like soccer, but it's not my jam. But there's winners and there's losers. So we set a target. And we essentially, these are targets, both revenue targets, but also growth targets in terms of, hey, in Q1, these are the things that I'm going to work on in these four virtual walls now, but also in my personal life. I've got a rep who I played football at Carolina. He also played one year with the Houston Texans. He said, hey, I fooled somebody into thinking I was good enough. But his (laughs) challenge, he rode uh, 125 miles on a Peloton uh, as his challenge. And I think it took him, I don't know, 10 hours uh, of just straight pedaling on the Peloton, but he did it. And I mean, that's, I said, did you win? It was him and some of his old buddies. They, they each had their own little challenge. I said, did you win anything? He said, nah, nothing but pride. I said, You're the <laughs> <a> fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really setting that up. And folks are, eh, folks that I enjoy working with have that internal competitive spirit. It's like, hey, I want us all to win, but I'm trying to make sure I, I get my shine on because I take pride in being excellent. And being excellent is being excellent. It's kind of like in basketball. I think they look for a five-star player, a five-tool player. Essentially, you're excellent in every aspect of your quote-unquote game, your your mind, your body, your soul, your performance, what you're doing. Everything is excellent, and you're popping on all cylinders. So, I mean, for our quarterly reviews, we look at 12. It's five major categories, uh, company, industry, product, tools and resources and sales. And there's 12 kind of sub segments that we do a self-review and then we do a manager review and we chop it up and we talk about, Hey, this is where I'm good. This is where there's areas of improvement. This is what I'm going to work on in this next time period.
0: One of the things, so a previous guest on the show and a close friend of mine, Tony Lenhart, uh, who I definitely think you should connect with. He's a sales leader himself. And one of the things he does uh, whenever he's doing like his annual like planning with his reps, uh, which I think you'll relate to here is in addition to like whatever the, Hey, like revenue goal for that, you know, whatever that person's quota that they're carrying is, he always is like, okay, but what are we working towards this year for you personally? Is the point of this? Cause you need to put a down payment on a house is the point of this. Cause you're trying to make sure that your daughter gets into, you know, the best, uh, college possible. Right. And so he makes sure to always tie it to some personal goal or some personal why. So that way the job means something. It's not just do a job for us because we need the money as a company.
1: Yep. Yep. So true. I love it. I love it. And, and Tony sounds like a good dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll connect you with him. I'll connect you with him. He's great. Um, he goes by the moniker, the sales drummer, because he's also a drummer. And in my hip hop band, he's my drummer.
1: oh shucks don't hurt him now
0: (laughs) (laughs) and actually okay I gotta ask one more before we get to our wrap up and that is so you're like the ultimate optimist right you have all this energy I don't even know if it's possible if you ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed (laughs) but does Larry Long Jr. have like like do you got do you have tough love in you when you're talking to your employees when you're talking to the people on your team like are there points where you just have to get like real with them and the smile comes off your face and you're like, look, you're not doing your job here.
1: Uh, Definitely. I'm I'm serious about my game. So don't let the smile for a mile fool you. I mean, I'm a, I'm a nice guy, but I'm also serious about my business because this Mm. is, this means something to me. It's not like, it's not meaningful. And it's kind of like I tell my 11 year old son, when you get to the point where I don't reprimand you, or I don't encourage you to be better, then you're in trouble because that just means I've given up on you and that Mm. I don't care. And I look at my reps, all of my reps, as really extensions of my kids. I, I take it personal. Uh, both they're professional and they're personal. I care about them as people. And that, that's been kind of my MO throughout my career is that I honestly care about people. And I try my best to show that I care about people and not just talk a good game. But, yeah, my game face it, uh, my game face can get kind of serious. When, when I put on my serious game face, it's like, uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> and I can tell you it's come on now because we're, we're gearing up to the end of the year, end of our Q4, and uh, it's been a challenging year, but we still have some opportunity to make it, uh, make it a really good year given the environment and the circumstances and put ourselves in a position to have an even better 2021, but it's on us. It's, it's on you and you and you and on me. I mean, I start off with that person in the mirror. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, it ain't all sunshine and roses and rainbows and unicorns. As my seven-year-old daughter says, uh, <laughs> we're, we're serious about this business. But I like to do it with a smile. I like to do it with a smile. I, uh, I don't scream. I'm not a screamer. Hmm. uh on, on a negative side I'm, I'm more of a you call it tough love it's like hey i'm gonna I'm put the serious face on the serious voice and you're gonna know there's a opportunity area for improvement some people yeah. might say negative those are negatives but i like to spin it on the positive side
0: as my some of my friends in college used to say the cut that shit out look where you're like <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That's
0: it. laughs> Are we, I mean, it's, uh, for everyone who's listening to this and doesn't have the video, it's unfortunate. You couldn't see the expression I just gave there, but, <laughs> but Larry, Larry, saw it. <laughs> uh, Larry, where can our listeners find you and learn more?
1: Oh man. I appreciate it. You can holler at your boy on LinkedIn, Larry Long Jr. I got the face for radio. You'll be like, yeah, that's that cat with the smile for a ma. <laughs> you can't miss me, but yeah. Holler at me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Uh, I'll probably send you an audio message back, send you a crazy gif, jif, I don't don't know how you pronounce it, maybe even send you a video, Uh, I get kind of crazy, that's my, that's my uh, sandbox that I love to play in is LinkedIn, so I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, uh, whereas the millennials call it uh, IG or the gram, I'm not on TikTok yet, my son, I I need to take some lessons from him and get on TikTok, (laughs) maybe next year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, Larry, who's one person that you want to shout out today? It could be a team member, a mentor, a colleague, anybody.
1: Man, well, I already shouted out Mark uh, Winchester, who's my mentor. I got to give props to Morgan J. Ingram. Uh, he's another mentor of mine out of Hotlanta, and if Morgan's listening. He hates it when I call it Hotlanta, but uh, the ATL Morgan has just been a blessing to me. Uh, during this time, he's been a huge supporter, just a uh, great encourager, and uh, kind of a Sherpa, a guide. So I got to give Morgan J. Ingram nothing but love for you, man. Yeah,
0: Morgan's the man, that's for sure. Uh, let's go for our top one or two lessons or takeaways today uh, based on our discussion for the listeners. I'll go first and I'll toss it to you. Topic today was empowering your team to perform their best. And I got to say, I really liked uh, what you said earlier, which was you want to be that person who people say, whoa, who does that? Meaning you go, oh, you go above and beyond for people, you show them you're there for them, not just there for yourself, you're there for them, uh, and you do the things that they would not expect. Larry, top one or two takeaways for the listeners today.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say the word care. And uh, not to be selfish or a me monster, but care starts with yourself your mind, your body and your soul, especially in today's environment, in any environment, make sure you're taking care of yourself. It's kind of like when we were able to fly, put your oxygen on first so that you can now put the oxygen on everyone else that you're leading. So it's care for yourself, self care, as well as care for others. And that's through your actions, not just through your words.
0: My final question today, which is how we end every episode on this show. Fill in the blank, Larry entrepreneurship is blank.
1: Oh, goodness gracious. Entrepreneurship. It's uh, the ultimate challenge. It's uh, filled with so many lessons, uh, learning lessons. Uh, entrepreneurship is beautiful. I mean, I, I don't know if you just wanted one word, but uh, I don't think I can have just one word. <laughs> but it's what I think about entrepreneurship. It's just uh, such a great reflection on life, the highs, the lows. I think the the millennials call it YOLO. You only live once. Well, we're on a yo-yo. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're on a constant yo-yo. And it's so important to keep that happy medium. When you're going high, realize, stay on your grind. When things are going bad, still stay on your grind. Remain confident. So entrepreneurship in a nutshell, such a beautiful thing.
0: Entrepreneurship is many things. It is a yo-yo. It is beautiful. He is Larry Long Jr. from Teamworks. He is the ultimate motivator. I feel like this was a TED Talk and not a podcast interview, so I love this conversation with you. And I feel like I, feel like I should be playing you out with, like, get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yo. <laughs> Larry, thank you for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Thank you, Raj. Peace. That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast, is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea, and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guests for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.